Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... This is the MMA for Money Show, episode 22. I am MMA State of Mind, your favorite garbage man, Bob Voss, here with Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope, Just Win. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing amazing, man. Can't wait to talk about some fights. And I know what you are all thinking. You are so excited for our special blind date Valentine's Day episode, but you know what? This is going to have to do because that's not happening yet. That's for premium subscribers only. For premium, you got like, to give to the Patreon. You got to send special DMs. There's a special process you go to to get on that special show. That's a little bit more MMA for my show after dark. So if you want to get in on that, please. The DMs are always open. Again, but please don't make it too weird. Um, we're here to review UFC 247, which happened this past weekend. We're here to preview UFC Rio Ranchero in New Mexico. That's happening the day after Valentine's Day. But first going into UFC 247, starting off with Alex Morano, who got brutally finished in the first round by Holy Chaos Williams. Mike, can't, we were, I wouldn't say high on Alex Morano. We just thought he was going to win, but... Man, chaos gave it to him. Give me, give me a, your reaction to that that finish right there. Oh, well, I gave it, man. Holy shit, dude! I I mean, we straight out said that Murano would most likely is just almost a max bet. He's a parlay pick. He's whatever you want. But I did say that his money line was too steep, and I didn't want to give him out for a pick, which I didn't. But I did pick him to win, and he certainly did not. And he got his ass kicked. And this kid, Kalen Williams, they they must have known, obviously, that they were bringing a monster over here to kill this kid because uh, he was quite impressive. I was quite shocked, and uh, I knew that that was a big parlay buster, and Vegas made some moolah on that baby. I mean, honestly, the, the thing that saved us, and I think saved a lot of people, was the price tag because it became such a popular pick. By the time we did the show, he was minus 260. I had seen a few people get, I don't know, I think it was minus 155. And at that, I would have had to think about it. Now, in the next fight, Andrea KGB Lee lost the split decision to Lauren Murphy. This was this was a big favorite going down. And Andrea Bullshit. Lee was minus 335. I thought she clearly won. I'm. This was the start of, at least as far as I could tell, the start of the judges just being utterly awful all night. Um... And actually, I can't remember. I know that you were for Andrea Lee. Did you end up having any parlays or anything like that off the podcast? No, I didn't. I didn't bet her at all. I just, she was a little too pricey and I didn't want to touch it. And I also knew that Lauren Murphy is just the sneakiest, scummiest, I just trailer park trash girl. But she pulls it out every time, man. I I really don't like her uh, just looks in general and whatever. But she somehow gets it done every single time. She's like Rhonda Marcos to me. Every time I bet against Ronda Marcos, she'd pull off the win somehow when she didn't deserve it. And so Lauren Murphy's that chick now. We are on this crazy stretch of the women's martial art vets taking out the young up-and-comers. And 
Honestly, the funny part about that is I recall on the last podcast stating that although that was a thing, that would not be happening this time. But you know what? Was way off on that. But luckily there was no bet involved on either side here. I mean, we still thought KGB won this fight. I mean, you'll hear that probably a few times over the next number of fights. Um, I guess I got, don't got too much to say. I mean, they're slowly killing off all of like the names that are coming up in the division, and it's making it even harder for the champions at the tops of this 115, 125 pounds divisions to actually get anybody with a name. Now, in the next fight was supposed to be Antonio Arroyo versus Trevin Giles, but Antonio Arroyo got rushed to the hospital, I believe, I believe it was pre-weigh-ins, and James Krause, the gangster that he is, took the fight on 20 hours notice to fight up a weight class. Technically up two weight classes, because for the longest part of his career, James Cross was a 155-er, but he's been fighting at 170. So this is at 185. He Mad basically didn't have to cut weight and walked in. And I ended up betting this fight because when I first saw him, they had James Cross, I think, I think it was minus 140. When I first saw it, I'm like, ah, well, if this was a full camp, James Cross, I'd still bet that. But, you know, I'm going to step away. And then it just kept going down and it kept going down and it kept going down. And then I got to minus 110. So I'm like, you know what? I'm playing this for a unit. I ended up playing it for a unit. This was on Twitter. This wasn't uh, for the podcast. Obviously, all this crazy pre-fight stuff happened after the fact. And I still think James Cross, full camp, beats this guy, even up a weight class. He dominated the first round, had his back got close to finishes and somehow the judges gave the other guy the first round and ultimately likely robbed him of winning this fight that he would have been quite a storybook ending if he would have been able to pull this off. I still think he won the fight, but obviously the judges didn't. And again, theme of the night, I guess. Um, How do you feel about that fight? And actually, how did you feel about those, uh, that ground exchange in that first round? It was actually a quite exciting fight between the two, and it was uh, quite impressive that Kraus could come on 24 hours notice and just want to scrap an- another guy who's been in camp for eight plus weeks. I had said that Giles was going to win this fight this week, but I, I said he was going to win it against his other opponent. But he certainly uh, pulled it off against Kraus, and I don't think he would have done it if Kraus had a full camp. But the fight was super exciting, and Kraus gave all that he could. It was really impressive for a fighter just coming out of nowhere, uh, still lasting all three rounds and giving an exciting performance. And uh, Giles is just, uh, he's just, he just doesn't seem to excel or peak or doesn't seem to uh, progress in the MMA. And I I just, he just seems like the same guy every single time. And I don't, I don't think it's really going to get him anywhere further but i like kraus and a lot more now just for showing up on 24 hours notice like a g elir latifi made his heavyweight debut against the black beast Derek lewis and you know what worst case scenario didn't happen which i which i'm pretty happy about he didn't get knocked out <laughs> and you know what it was, it was actually pretty close he had a chance a few times definitely had uh, some control for good sections of the fight but i guess black beast gets the win and i don't know i'm happy, happy i didn't get to see my boy knocked out so i mean guess kudos to black beast you got a close decision win over a light heavyweight so congratulations uh, mike thoughts on the houston native versus the horse lord well one thing that latifi did come in and he came in heavy for his heavyweight ma- match he was certainly thicker than a snicker and looked a lot bigger in his midsection than he ever normally does. So, But uh, he did put on a, a good performance against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. 
Derek Lewis actually looked thinner than ever and slimmer than ever, and he looked really, really good. He was throwing some flying knees and, and some other things. He was a little hesitant with his right hand, and I think that's what uh, kind of cost them the knockout of the TKO because he just he never seemed to throw it, and and, and it just it showed in the fight because it it, it was a decent fight, but I I, I thought it was kind of lackluster. And so either way, I love Black Beast. I'm glad he won because he's the person that should move on and get some limelight and get another matchup going because I want to see him in the future because he seems to be taken a little more serious. But I heard that uh, he has some kind of surgery he needs or something. I don't know. Yeah, some type of health issue that he seemed to skirt the details on, which I completely understand. But if it's career threatening, that's uh, or I guess life threatening, that's a whole another bag of worms. Uh the next fight was a loss for our consensus bet for the podcast. We had a bet on Mirsad Bektik at minus 135. He lost a split decision to Dan Ige, who then after the fact calls out Korean Zombie. We are now at plus 0.1 unit. Don't worry, early in the year, we'll definitely get that back. Hey, still plus money, so that's all that matters. Mike, before I go further into this fight, can I get your opinion on the decision and how you felt about uh, Bektik's performance? Well, uh, Ige was super impressive uh, in this match and bout, and I, I can't even hate it all losing this pick because I did not expect Ige to come in there and excel so well. He seems to sharpen up his boxing. His jiu-jitsu has always been sharp, but his transitionings are even better now. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm starting to become a fan of Dan Ige. I mean, he's coming in there and he's believing in himself more and more each time. And he's like, I love jujitsu black belts, and he's one of them. And so I, it, it was a really good performance. Mursad Bektik, it was not a good performance for him. He looked gun shy. He looked lazy. He, he didn't look like he wanted to be in there some part of the time. He looked like he wanted to, he'd show up for a paycheck more or less. And uh, he lasted all three rounds, but it, it just wasn't a great performance on, on his part in my eyes. But for Dan Ige, his stock went up, it rose, and he's going to have a bright future in the UFC, I believe. Yeah, as I can't add too much to that, uh, Ige was very impressive. Uh, I still thought that Mirsad Bektik would be able to put on, at worst, a wrestling clinic over the course of three rounds, clearly. And it wasn't clearly. I mean, I guess split decision still had a chance to go out that way. But you know what? You don't win them all. And there you go. I guess the one time that some of the bad judging you wish were going to go your way and they didn't on this night. Um, In the Coco main event, Juan Adams got himself steamrolled by Justin Taffa. In the very first round, Juan Adams being the failed experiment at heavyweight, I'm dubbing him going forward. Mike was 100% right on this fight, and because of that, I'm going to throw it to him and so we can describe Tafa's annihilation. Well, one thing I was right about this week was that I, that little Debbie's cake boy was going down, and he certainly did. Tafa was meaner and definitely a lot stronger, and he came in there to kill. I, I tried to you know tell people if... The, Sometimes you can analyze a fight by thinking about it simply as this. Put two people in the street and who is meaner on each side? If you had to pick one person who you're like, dang, like that person would kill that person in the street. 
Well, this is one of those moments that made, that's why it made me so confident in Tafa. If Tafa met uh, Juan Adams in Samoa, in New Zealand, in Australia, in USA, it doesn't matter where he, he met him, he would have smashed him. And that's exactly what happened. I'm upset with myself for not trusting myself in that pick and going out there and putting out that money. But at plus 185, it was a little bit scary in the sense of, uh, you know, I didn't have much to go off of, especially after Tafa just lost. So it was a great performance by Tafa. He definitely got some shine, and he definitely took over Juan Adams' little Debbie Cake Boys, uh, you know, stock. In the co-main event of the evening, Kate, the Valentina defeats Caitlin Chukagian via TK, TKO in the third round, polishing off a dominant performance after, I believe it was 10 unanswered strikes there in the third round. Uh, Valentina looking every bit the... Minus 1100 she was at one point. It kept it kept going down closer to fight time. I want to say it closed at minus uh, 800 or maybe even below that. Uh, we took a long time to talk about the odds of the props in that fight and ended up staying away. I'm happy we did because I was leaning more towards the decision on that road for Valentina. And obviously she ended up putting her out of there. Mike, what are your thoughts on Valentina's performance here? And who would you like to see her fight next if there's anyone even possible in the division for it? Well, like I said last week on the podcast, I mean, I absolutely love Valentina. She is a a true uh, WMMA mixed martial artist. She just represents the sport really well. She's a a ninja. I mean, I love how she trains firearms on on the outside of training. And then she goes in there and trains and each and every day because she loves it. And she put on a mean performance against Chukagian. I mean, the, the, the roundhouse kick that landed on Chukagian's face, I mean, that slapped so loud that you could hear that thing from the top row. It was absolutely amazing to see her unleash. The first round was a little uh, iffy, but I think that was just because she was trying to find her range. But it seemed like once she found her range and she turned on the kill switch, she went in there and just dominated that girl like I knew she could and would. And uh, it was a great performance by the champion, and uh, she's going to be the champion for a while. Who I'd like to see her against next? I mean, there really isn't even, like, a, a clear contender. I mean, they're throwing up, they're throwing up like, ridiculous names like uh, i mean i love jojo but i mean we all know that jojo doesn't deserve no championship fight i mean i, I at least in my eyes and then uh jennifer maya i mean she can't she hasn't even proven to make weight so i mean i don't know how you're gonna just give her the championship fight but i mean either way put whoever you want in front of valentina right now and she's gonna smash him besides amanda nunez amanda nunez seems to be the only person that has valentina's number and that maybe that's just because of the size discrepancy i would definitely say size has something to do with it given the fact that valentina has fought at 135 a good chunk of her career because 125 was just never the option honestly i mean personally i scored it for valentina in the second fight so it's like there's really in wma at this point there's really only like 1a and 1b in my opinion and that's those two will they likely fight again i guess i mean i know valentina wants to stay active so i mean i think she'll be okay just clearing out people in division and who knows maybe at some point she'll get enough popularity just from beating people over and over and over and over and over again (laughs) and the main event was a little bit of controversy as uh john jones wins an incredibly close but unanimous decision over Dominic Reyes. Uh, this is the first time John Jones has ever been outstruck in a fight. Uh, the judges scored the fight 48 47 
times two and 49-46, all for John Jones. Uh, the popular score, at least that I saw, was 3-2 for Dominic Reyes. Uh, we'll probably go back and forth on this one a little bit, but just to start off, Mike, how did you score this main event? Initially off the bat, I had it scored 3-2 for John Jones only because in the championship rounds, uh, for me, I they add so much more value and merit. I might add too much value to those rounds. And because Dominic Reyes, uh, not, I don't know if he gassed, but he definitely slowed down and his output definitely decreased in the last two rounds. And because of that, that I definitely gave John Jones the fight. and But... I, I was definitely semi-biased because I love John Jones. We talk about him being the GOAT and yada yada. So then I tried to take myself away from that and I re-watched the fight. And Reyes got more impressive as I re-watched the fight. And it seemed like the scoring was definitely off for, not, for one judge not to have Reyes at all. But I mean, the kid learned so much versus the GOAT. And I think that I don't even think John Jones wants to rematch him because of the the damage that he took. I think... I really feel like John Jones is kind of tired of taking all this damage. I know he's still going into the fight. He's definitely not scared, but he's definitely tired. The the damage is wearing, and it's starting to become a lot more burdensome than it used to be. So I really feel like now there is an opening for someone else to come in here that's super athletic and strong with a mean chin. That If they could back John Jones up against the cage... John seems to be leaving his chin out there uh, often. I mean, I don't know if it was just me, but if you saw it too, but he seemed to be leaving his, his chin out there a couple times where I saw it and I said, man, put your guard up. I don't know what the deal is with John Jones recently. I, mean, I can't even say recently. It's pretty much been as far as he's ever fought. He tends to fight to his opponent's strengths, even if it's more detrimental to him. I don't know if it's to prove that he's better. I mean, this is going back to him fighting Chael and doing the exact jail game plan against him and beating him and yeah he was able to beat him but he had the horrific toe break that almost led to the end of the fight and just always going for what his opponent's best at to, i don't know, try to break their will or i don't know but it's starting not to work as well because all of these guys their best part is starting to be better than him and i don't mean better than him at the whole i mean better than him at that specific skill john jones is amazing in the clinch especially with uppercuts if you go back he was really taken it to Dan Cormier in their first fight that way and that's why I was confident about him in the rematch pretty much since then he hasn't done it um he wants to fight other people's games and he tends to stay away and I don't know Dominic Reyes has had a great performance in the first couple rounds he slid off to either side and got John Jones coming in and looked great in the early goings uh, in terms of scoring this fight a lot of times when it's a bigger fight, I tend to just watch and enjoy. Uh, so I'm not necessarily going round by round. But I know for sure I had John Jones winning the last two and at least two of the rounds going uh, Dominic Reyes. So honestly, I wasn't going to be upset it going either way, especially because I didn't have a bet on this fight. But Dominic Reyes looked awesome. Uh, my only thing is if they do do an immediate rematch, you're doing a disservice to Dominic Reyes to a degree because John Jones has done nothing but do better in rematches. Granted, he's only had two of them, but uh, they were both fairly close fights the first time he fought him, and he finished the guy in the rematch. So, I mean, kudos to Dominic Reyes. You fought your perfect fight other than losing the final two rounds. Clearly, but I don't know. I guess I'm done with that. But uh, where would you like to see him next? Do you want to see an immediate rematch? Do you want to see 
John Jones move on? If so, is that heavyweight? Is that uh, Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakowicz winner that we'll talk about a little bit later tonight? Where are you at with this main event ending? I'm a little biased because I like Corey Anderson a lot, and I think that he deserves the title shot. So I'd like uh, Corey Anderson to get a shot with John Jones after he beats Jan uh, on the block, but that's just my opinion. And I think that John Jones versus Reyes... I I wouldn't have been mad at a draw. I wish they could have done a draw, but because both the people's stock would have stayed, would have both went up to me in my eyes, and you wouldn't have lost the neon Reyes, especially with a loss on the record. But uh, they don't give out enough draws. I mean, I'm I'm really sick of the fact that the scorecards that they can't get draws more often. I mean, there's times when there's clearly just not a winner, and you're just like, all right, well, you, you know, both you guys just didn't do that well, and we're gonna send you home. Both you guys did fabulous, and we're just going to call this a, a, a you know a draw, but pay them their win money, and then still give them a shot at the bonuses. But I mean, these guys are fighting in there, putting their hearts on the line, so that I, I feel like they deserve more. So, but I think Reyes deserves an immediate title shot. But I, that's that's for him specifically. If you were biased for him, but I, I don't think he's going to get it. Now we had talked about it a little bit, given the fact that there is a. In so little terms, a number one contenders fight happening for light heavyweight this coming weekend, and we're going to push into that fight card. Um, some of these early fights is just going to be straight pickums for us, meaning we're just going to pick. We're not going to do any full breakdowns on some of them and not have bets on them for sure, but we'll pick on some of the more interesting fights with names attached. And then we will move on to more in-depth breakdowns. And then we will actually have two bets for sure for you, let alone what the website publishes and anything that we add on Twitter. Now, the first fight we're going to talk about, Mareb Davishvili. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right. Uh, he is a minus 165 versus Casey Kinney, who is plus 145. Um, a quick pick. I'm going with uh, Marab. Um, as much as I'm not a big fan of his camp, I do think that he is a stud, and if he would move to a bigger camp, would probably be a bigger stud, but I definitely think he's going to roll here for a clear decision win. Mike, where are you with Davishvili versus Kinney? You know, I'm so excited to watch this fight because I really believe there's going to be just a lot of striking and scrambling and transitioning, so I really, really love when there's a lot of that going on. So I, 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 this one is just a super tough one for me to judge. I feel like Casey Kenny has better striking, but I feel like Marab has the better takedown and grit. So I, if I had to pick one, I would go with uh, Marab. Next, we have Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. He is minus 130 against divisional perpetual mainstay Sparta, New Jersey's own Jim Miller, who is plus 150. Double check that. I can't borderline read my own writing. I want to give you guys the accurate line. Sorry, plus 110. Man, I wrote that down wrong. Whatever, plus 110. <laughs> Scott Holtzman is big. He is strong. He's athletic. He guesses a little bit. Uh, if any of you is a fan, uh, are fans on the nutritional aspect, uh, Andy Galpin is his main nutritional and strength conditioning advisor. Uh, on the other side, Jim Miller seems to finally have his Lyme disease that he's uh, dealt with for a long period of time under control and has looked substantially better in his more recent fights. I will have to lean Scott Holtzman uh, 
just on wear and tear wise and i think he's at pretty much his peak right now which obviously is not incredibly high in terms of the overall division but i think where he's at now is above where jim miller is i do think jim miller is on the decline just simply based off fight years and just the sheer amount of damage he has taken the excitement fights he's put on so i do think it's going to go with decision i think holtzman is going to um out strike him and periodically have him pinned up against the cage for decent stretches of this fight mike where are you for holtzman versus miller uh for the battle of the 36 year olds i'm gonna have to definitely lean with uh, scott holtzman i believe that he's just stronger more powerful um just got a better overall athletic frame i feel like he's gonna be too much for jim miller as you said and i think he's gonna back him up the cage hit him with some body shots real hard and then go up top and just slam him home and uh, that's just truly what i believe so i think that jim miller's gonna lose by tko ko up next the one time flyweight champion in waiting now fighting at bantamweight with a tragic haircut uh john dodson is plus 140 he is on a two fight losing streak he's kind of faltering a little bit has had a decent amount of space in between fights as of recently and has found himself more buried on a fight card as opposed to headlining it he's fighting against surging english bantamweight nathaniel wood who is minus 160 he is on an eight fight win streak 3-0 in the UFC. Now, as a, just a quick pick, I'll go Nathaniel Wood, but I'm going to throw it to Mike, who has a little bit more in-depth of a breakdown on this one. Mike, Nathaniel Wood versus John Dodson. Yeah, Nathaniel Wood, I really believe that he's the, the better prospect in this fight. I know everyone, uh, you know, John Dodson has given us many, many performances against some top-level athletes, but just like I said earlier in the, in the podcast about someone not uh, progressing, I really feel like John Dotson's just still the same person, you know, like it's he, he's never he's never going to develop more kicks. He's never going to develop uh, something other than what he's he's always had, you know, and it's a really exciting style and performance, but it's just not enough. And I, I really feel like uh, Nathaniel Wood is going to be just uh, a lot bigger and stronger. And so even jujitsu wise, he's going to be able to you know take advantage if that gets to the ground like that but i i just feel like that nathaniel wood is the better striker overall and so i'm i'm gonna make him my uh pick this week and put down uh one what is it what was this odds bob minus 160 one second let me quick update you know because we want to give you guys as accurate as we have let me quick refresh and see if it's moved at all nope still minus 160 so I'm going to be putting down 1.6 units on Nathaniel Wood because I believe that he's just a younger, better overall prospect in the UFC. This funny, his nickname is The Prospect, so it's perfect right there. And uh, I just hope that he rolls here, and I believe that he can. Up next, I'm a little scared about this fight. Uh, Yancey Medeiros, he's minus 105. He's fighting Lando Venata, minus 115. Lando Venata, in my opinion, has never reached the type of hype he has ever gotten. He fought very well in the early goings against Tony Ferguson and honestly hasn't looked that great since then other than a knockout over John McDessie I don't think he's that good I think he has faltered I really like Yancey Medeiros in general as a fighter all of those things normally at this minus 105 price I would be hammering Yancey Medeiros 
but the fact that he's gotten two stoppage losses in his last fights has me backing away. So I will pick Yancey Medeiros. And honestly, I wish the last two fights have, even if they were decision losses, I'd be betting him here. But just the fact that they're both uh, finished losses, I'm going to pick him, but no bet. Mike, where are you at with Yancey Medeiros versus the spinning wonder Lando Venata? Well, this is going to be an exciting matchup between these two because they're both going to throw some heavy bombs and Venata's going to throw some weird spinny kicks. And I think that Yancey, this is one of those moments, what I talked about earlier, that if we were in the streets of Hawaii and uh, Lando Venata, we were all at a bar and I was next to Lando Venata and Yancey and was with his boys and we, they came up. I would feel like we were absolutely fucked if I had Lando Venata next to me. So I'm going to say that uh, Yancey is going to roll here because I just feel like he's just meaner and he's got more grit and he's going to just go in there and just lay it down. Ray Borg, the one-time title challenger who then had a long series of canceled bouts and has found a little bit of stable ground, is as minus 140 versus Ruggiero Bontran, who's plus 120. Um, I don't know enough about Bontran to give you guys an in-depth breakdown. I do like him in this fight, but know that in terms of a pick on my side. I'm going to pass it to Mike because Mike knows a little bit more about Bontran and actually a little bit more about the matchup. So, Mike, how are you going with Ray Borg versus Ruggiero Bontran? Well, I absolutely love uh, Ray Borg personally. I, I mean, I feel for him and his son every single time I, um, he goes and posts about him being in surgery or recovering from something. So I always wish him the best. But uh, Rogerio Bontoran is absolutely a monster on the ground. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who's absolutely so, so strong and fit. He's, uh, he's a little bit bigger than Borg too. So I just feel like he's going to, this is just a bad matchup for Borg. And I feel like uh, Rogerio can get Borg in a tricky situation and end up uh, getting him in a submission. But uh, that's just my pick. Moving on, Brock Weaver, who has a ton of hype on himself, is going against Kazula Vargas, who's plus 250. Sorry, Brock Weaver is minus 300. Uh, Vargas is 11-3. and uh, he's coming from Combate Americas. He lost his UFC debut against Alex Da Silva. Uh, Brock Weaver is coming over after a Dana White's Tuesday night contender series bid. Obviously, most people are going to be on Brock Weaver. Um, he's got a lot of hype going in this. I know he had going into Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, although he does have a decision loss to Joe Riggs. Granted, that was at Bare Knuckle FC, but uh, he does have he does have a win over Charles Bennett. He has some names on his record, but I don't know, not many of them, but he has some hype. He's been fairly exciting of a fighter, and I don't know, a lot of people are siding with him. I'm going to stay away from this fight in general, and I'm probably going to go with Vargas because Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series uh, pedigree guys who they think are going to be amazing have a tendency to lose and have a tendency to lose their debuts. So, Mike, where are you for Brock Weaver, the tatted-up dude, versus Kazula Vargas, the Combate Americas dude? I'm actually going to go with the underdog, uh, Rodrigo Vargas. I I believe that Rodrigo Vargas has a better stand-up. He has better kicks. And I think that he just uh, could be stronger in that situation. So if I had to pick one, it'd be him. Because like you said, these Dana White Contender Series guys, there's a few really good ones. But I, I, I really don't believe that Brock Weaver deserves that price tag. And so I think it's just super inflated. 
the side I would pick would be Vargas, especially because the money's now such good plus money. Montana De La Rosa, whose husband is fighting earlier on this fight on this fight card, but as you notice, we didn't talk about his fight because it's so early on the fight card, and you know what? We're not going to go that deep, but she is the better of the two, in my opinion. She is minus 170 versus Mauro Romero Barella, who's plus 150. I really like uh, Montana De La Rosa for the division. I think she has a bright future. I'm not saying she's a future champion or something like that. Who knows? Maybe she'll change my mind, but I liked how she's looked recently. Uh, she did lose a decision to Andrea Lee the last time out. But before that, she had uh, quite a few finishes uh, on official UFC fights. She was on the Ultimate Fighter se- uh, season and ended up losing uh, at the end of that against the future champion Nico Montano. But she did get a first-round armbar over Christina Marks, a third-round submission over Rachel Ostevich, and a second-round armbar over Nadia Kassem before her loss, Kasim before her loss to Andrea Lee. I really like her chances here against uh, Mara Romero-Barella. Don't necessarily like the odds on there. I would have liked it to be a little bit lower, but for a pick, I'm going to go with her. Mike, how do you feel about this lone female fight on the main card? This fight, man, I, I really I can't get a feel for this fight because I feel like both these fighters are really garbage women fighters. I mean, I'm sorry to be rude. I, I don't I don't see much in either of them in the sense of them having a career very long in the UFC. I mean, one of them might prove me wrong, but I, I just I just don't I don't see it. So, I mean, uh, if I had to pick one, I guess I would have to pick. Um, Montana De La Rosa, but that's just the trendy pick. Well, that's that's definitely the case, and I'm not gonna say that I have hardening analysis for that fight. There are a few uh, WMA fights that we know, and especially like if Mike says that he's got a good feeling about WMA fight, you should listen because if Mike knows, it's probably going that way. And this is not one of those. In the co-main event of UFC, Rio Ranchero is Diego Sanchez who is plus 145, uh, 145, it just bounced back up, versus Michelle Pereira, who is minus 165. Diego Sanchez is the last remaining contestant of Tough One. Yes, you heard that. Tough One, where he fought at middleweight and eventually found his way all the way down to featherweight for at least a few fights and now he's back up to welterweight uh, he's going to get some uh, michelle Pereira, who missed weight his last time out is a huge athletic dude and has some serious power especially in the early goings now in the first round might be a little bit scary for sanchez and likely get put out but if he can survive there's a chance he can get decision so if you have your faith in sanchez that he can still take a beating maybe fall that way if not I don't know, bid Sanchez of good ado and hope that his brain doesn't become much more mush. Mike, where are you on this co-main event, and how do you feeling about these men here at over 6,000 feet elevation? Well, that's a very good point that you just pointed out. 6,000 feet elevation. <clears throat> Something I really haven't even put into consideration as much as I should have, and every single person should. You should expect every single person's gas tank to literally be like one round less than what... The, what you normally seen from them and so now now it's making me kind of scared to pick my uh, michelle Pereira. but i i michelle Pereira is way too big and way too strong 
and I know he does some flashy, spinny. It, it, to me, it's fun stuff, but to some people, it's some just undisciplined garbage. But I, I absolutely love it, and I think he's entertaining, and I think that he's going to go in there and, and it. I think in the first round, put it on Diego Sanchez so hard to the body, to his face. I think that he's going to finish Diego Ranch, uh, Sanchez in this first round. So I, if there was plus money on that for the TKO KO prop, I would probably hit it. But the inside the distance is so disgusting that I could I couldn't even touch the, touch it. But don't be surprised that if he can't get it done in the first round, that Diego the Nightmare Sanchez is gonna come in his dreams and get him. This is actually this is one of those spots where it wouldn't be terrible to do a live bet situation. So if you really really like Michelle Pereira, by all means bet that dude, bet that guy. And if Diego Sanchez lasts, I mean he's still probably gonna get beat up pretty bad in the first round. So you're going to get crazy dog odds on them, and then you could throw down after that. If you, if you really are so inclined and you're smooth enough to catch the in-between round props, which I know I am utterly terrible at, uh, in the main event, number one contender's fight for light heavyweight, at least in my humble opinion, Corey Overtime, one-time twenty beast in 25-8 Anderson. His odds keep dropping, and I'm finding that very confusing to me. When I first saw this fight, he was minus 230. He's gone all the way down to minus 190 versus Jan Blakowicz, Blakowicz, who is plus 165. Janny from the block over there. And you know how much we love ourselves some Janny from the block. He has made us quite a bit of money destroying, beating, or squeaking out. 85ers that have decided that light heavyweight is their future. While the Asian ones aren't doing so well against Jan Blakowicz, these two have actually fought before about five years ago. Corey Anderson got the decision win over Jan Blakowicz, who gassed towards the end and got himself handled. He has said that he has shortened up that deficiency and he has put the entire loss on his cardio uh, inability the first time out. I love Jan Blakowicz, and if he has the wrestling advantage in a fight, he wins. It's that simple. Every other time where he doesn't have that type of a advantage, or you have an extreme power puncher against him, he's going to lose. Corey Anderson has the wrestling here. He has the boxing here. He has the movement here. He has the cardio here. Like I've said before, the only thing Corey Anderson does not have is a granite chin. That's the only thing he doesn't have. It's the only thing that will eventually keep him from being like a long-reigning champion is he does not have a granite chin. Blockwitz does not hit particularly hard for a light heavyweight, and I am big on Corey Anderson here. This is actually my bet for our podcast for this fight, and I have Corey Anderson at minus 190, which he currently is. So if you see that, snatch it up because I do not understand how it is that low. I have that to win two units for you guys. Uh, at the minus 190. Uh, Mike, are you with me on this odd odds here, or are you leaning towards Jan Blockowitz? Like I said earlier in the podcast, I absolutely love Corey Anderson, and, and I'm going to be rolling with you right along. I think Corey Anderson is just uh, super underrated. I think that every single person doubts him, and they keep doubting him. But his rest, he's got the type of wrestling that I absolutely love. He's got some really, really mean jiu-jitsu. And he's got the grit and determination to get the fight to the ground. And that's where it needs to be versus a guy like uh, Jan on the block. He just His Achilles heel is wrestling. He's lost to Pat Cummings because of that type of wrestling. 
He's lost to a Corey Anderson before because of that type of wrestling. And we know that statistically that rematches go back to the original winner. And I just really feel like uh, Corey Anderson's wrestling is just going to be too much. It might be a boring fight, but uh, it doesn't matter. I think Corey Anderson's going to get the W here. And especially, I believe, in a five-round match. Now, that is all of the fights for UFC Ranchero. Sorry, every time I say that, I'm doing my best not to say it in a like a Texas-style accent for you guys. So be thankful that I didn't go there because my Texas accent is utterly terrible. Um, but as a quick review for the podcast, in case you missed it, in case you need a refresher, in case you need those numbers, we have two bets for this fight card. We have Nathaniel Wood at minus 160 to win one unit. And we have Corey Anderson at minus 190 to win two units. These will likely be posted on our Twitters. We usually wait a few days to give you guys a chance to listen to the podcast before that stuff gets shot out there. But it more than likely will soon, usually by Thursday or Friday, likely with some additional bets on there. Keep your eyes on MMA4Money.com where we have other bets that are getting posted. We're dealing with a little GoDaddy issues at the moment for some reason, but you know what? There's still bets being posted there and if we can't share the links for those, we'll just straight up share them on Twitter. Um, We are doing fairly well in that regard. Also, if you would, in any of the capacities you listen to us, can you please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast? It helps it grow. It gets it to other people. So they could listen to us as well. And again, I will say it again, as I always say it at some point in the show, our DMs, our messages are always open. We love talking MMA. If you have a question in regards to a fight we've broken down, a fight coming up, a random subject, or just a funny meme you found, we're there. So before we sign off for this week, Mike, do you have anything to say to the people? I just appreciate all you listeners out there and please just uh, rate, review and subscribe. And also I work for, we're working for Fox right now, building the set called Outmatch the series. And it's on Thursdays at 8.30 PM Pacific time. So if you want to tune into that, Jason Biggs from American Pie is on it. And it's really, really funny. It absolutely is. We have me and my wife have been watching every episode thus far. And I'm not going to lie. I've been laughing quite a bit. And Tony Danza was in the last episode, which is just awesome. Love me some Tony Danza. Like I, I have nothing but love for Tony Danza. Um, so we're just going to put it out there. Would, would everyone listening now, would you all be our Valentine? Would you? Would you? Okay, now before we get too sappy, that is the fights coming up. Enjoy the fights in New Mexico. Here's hoping the judges don't screw everyone like they did in Houston. And here's hoping no one gasses like crazy in that elevation. And with that, let's roll. <laughs>